Hey everybody, just real quick before the show started, uh, this is Steve, and I just wanted to let you know, for all the latest information on our podcast, hit us up on Twitter at EILF Movies, that's everything I learned from movies. We're also on Instagram and Facebook. If you're looking for incredible art, or maybe gifts for an upcoming uh, birthday, or Father's Day, Mother's Day, anything like that, Christmas, uh, you can check out Izzy's art at untidyvenus.etsy.com. You can also find us on all the uh, podcatchers like Podbean, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or iTunes, whatever they're calling it these days, Podcast Addict. Uh, basically, Google us, you'll find us, and uh, we'd love to hear from you. All right, on with the show. Everything I learned from movies Helps to make life a little bit groovy With a one last plot holes and gratuitous It's time to get busy With your friend Steven Izzy Eric Avari has starred in dozens of acclaimed television shows Like Star Trek The Next Generation, Babylon 5, The X-Files, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air Cheers, Seinfeld, Dragnet, Sybil, Roseanne, and more, as well as comedies like Encino Man and Mr. Deeds, but is probably most known for blockbusters like Stargate, The Mummy, Daredevil, and Planet of the Apes. But Mr. Avari was kind enough to join us on Everything I Learned from Movies. Hello, Mr. Avari? Yes, hi, how are you, Steve? Yeah, I'm excellent, how about yourself? I'm good, thank you. Excellent, and I'm here with my wife, Izzy. Hello! Hi, Susie. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Excellent. Thank you. But I'll get better. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I guess, uh, first and foremost, thank you very much for joining us. We really appreciate it. We've been huge fans of yours for many, many years. Yes, um, this is a dream come true. Yeah. That's great of you. Thank you. Excellent. And uh, I guess just to uh, start off, uh, if you wouldn't mind just letting us know uh, kind of your background, like where you, where you grew up, what your family life was like, and I guess kind of how you started getting into acting. Well, I grew up in a magical little town in the northeast of India for those of the Himalayas. And yes, that is how it's pronounced. Oh, good uh, <laughs> And uh, a town called Darjeeling, famous for the tea. But it is a spectacularly beautiful little town um, with a majestic view of Kenchenjunga, the snow range, uh, which is, I guess, the third highest mountain range in the world. But, you know, when, when you get up past 28,000 feet, who cares, right? <laughs> uh, and um, it was, well, it still is, um, uh, a small tourist town that you know triples in size during the uh, during the season as we call it the tourist seasons uh, known for its tea tourism and teaching or boarding school well schools really and I went to boarding school there at uh, St. Joseph's College in North Point it's a Jesuit run institution and it was um a magical place to, to grow up. You know, a beautiful weather. Um, it's just incredible people. There's, uh, every tourist book would say, would talk about, you know, the smiling Nepali people of Darjeeling. And uh, sadly, sadly, that turned hmm. sort of to the late 60s. Um, uh, a lot of politics, some, uh, it was also an issue 
you know, we had the Chinese aggression in 1962, and after that, Dutch being a border town, they really tightened up on security. And so getting, you actually had to get a permit, and foreign visas were incredibly difficult to come by. So it just, you know, tightened everything up. The tourism industry sort of, uh, sort of caved in on itself, and as a result, the economy in the town kind of turned sour, and so did the people. You know, it's mm-hmm. funny how that happens. Yeah, but uh, then there was a lot of strife and a lot of unrest, and, um, and it was kind of uh, sad and interesting to see that progression, or, you know, regression, I guess. So, what was your question again? <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess, yeah, okay, so you grew up in Darjeeling. Um, like, who were some of your, like, biggest influences growing up? Like, did you have idols, um, it, you know, your family or perhaps, like, a teacher or... You know, I was really fortunate. I, <clears throat> I, I had, I still have part of it, uh, a great family. Uh, my, my grandfather on both sides were big influences on me, especially my paternal grandfather. He was a self-made man. Um, left home at 16. Legend has it that he rode across India on horseback from the west coast to the east. Finally, it wound up in Darjeeling and uh, became mayor of the town. Uh, owned uh, some, the, the, not the largest, but the most prominent business in town. So, um, so he was quite a guy. Uh, my father was, um, oh, uh, the word saint comes to mind. Um, <laughs> he, he, was, he taught me a lot about the human spirit. And um, he was not much of a businessman. <laughs> uh, he was passionate about the military. He, was, uh, he served in the Second World War with the, uh, with the Argyle Regiment. Sort of had to come leave the military to come back and take over his father's business. And of course, my grandfather never retired till the day he died. Uh, so that was something. But um, I had, so those were two very very strong influences on me. And and I had wonderful teachers. Just uh, a, a long line. But I think if I had to single one out, it would be Father McGuire. And uh, the second would be Father Burns. He was uh, really the most influential in terms of my theater experience. He directed me in in several plays, so he was my mentor in that respect. Um, But uh, Father McGuire was just an all-around great guy. Um, And so, you know, I I was just really, really fortunate. And... and, uh, in fact, I just wrote an article for my school paper, um, and I mentioned, I said, you know, when I, when I left India to come to America to be an actor, at the time, uh, the early to mid-70s, the Indian currency was a soft currency. In other words, it was valueless the minute you left India, and you had to apply for a foreign exchange to buy dollars. And it was very restricted. And the the uh, foreign exchange uh, regulations were extremely stringent. And as a result, that made it very difficult. 
something to come up, especially to go to college or whatever it was, you know, uh, how are you going to support yourself? Uh, my father being an military man, he said, look, I'm not going to do anything um, illegal. Uh, I'm not going to buy dollars in the black and send you off with that in the black market. Um, but, you know, if you want to go, uh, you have my blessings. But figure out a way. <laughs> and uh, so essentially, I, I came here with a suitcase full of updated clothes and uh, a really solid education. I wouldn't say it was, um, you know, groundbreaking or shattering. It was uh, on the British system. We did our O-levels um, before uh, going into college, and uh, the, I had three years on uh, on my undergraduate level. But, uh, you know, it, I always felt it was that education that stood me in good stead, and somehow, you know, here I am today. Excellent. I still have a suitcase full of outdated clothes, but that's, that's another point. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, you know, they come back in fashion every 20 years or so. so yeah, that's know. right. That's where I'm, I'm, I'm waiting. Excellent. Uh, did, did you ever have the, uh, like, it sounds like the, the family business, did you uh, ever have, like, the conversation where it's like, well, we kind of thought you'd take over the family business, but you want to become, a th- you know, an actor? Was, was there ever, like, conflict with that at all? Just curious. Well, you know, it's, my, uh, my father, having given up his career, to, and acquiesce to his father's wishes uh, was really very hands-off with me in, in that respect. He said, I'm not going to stand in your way. But at the time, there were no Indian actors in America. I mean, it mm. was such an anomaly. And people, certainly my parents, uh, all my friends, they just couldn't understand what it was I, I was hoping to do. And so, you know, I, I, looking back on it, it must have been so courageous of my parents to to just say, okay, you know. Um, at first, it was, uh, you know, when I read out of high school and I said I wanted to be an actor, and they laid out the, the old line about uh, you've got to have something to fall back on. So, you know, <laughs> I did go to college. Um, I had a hard time finding a major because I just wasn't interested in anything but acting. So literature was a, was a good substitute since we didn't have any formal education, any formal classes in theater or even speech or anything like that. So, um, you know, it was really kind of uh, forging a, a, a new path and... Um, Fortunately, I was young and foolish. Otherwise, I would have just, you know, curled up in a ball and cried, you know. Uh, but I, I, I did it. And, you know, thanks to the help from an awful lot of people, um, you know, again, here I am. But, yeah. yes, there, there certainly was that uh, thing about why do you want to go to America and be a destitute when you have a perfectly good business you could walk into, you'll be you're the last one left to really take it over. Um, so, you know, that, that certainly was that, yeah. Oh, 
say, well, it certainly sounds like you have that, uh, the, the trailblazing spirit that's, you know, legit just successful career where uh, it previously kind of really hadn't been done before, especially here in America. Uh, all right. So, yeah. So, so you came in the, the late seventies. Um, what, yeah. what, what were like, your, were, were you doing like playhouse, playhouse, um, acting gigs or. My very first show was at the Dock Street Theater in Charleston, South Carolina, which is the oldest theater in the U.S. So that was quite a thrill. I felt like, um, you know, I, I had arrived. But, uh, yeah, I went to college. Uh, I had to, I, I came on a student visa. So as long as I was going to college, I, I was legal. Uh, then I went to grad school in New Jersey. Managed to get a green card. Um, you know, moved to Manhattan and started working with theater. It was an awful lot of off-off Broadway theater, <laughs> which uh, also known as uh, Equity Showcase uh, Theater, and it, boy, it, some of it was just <laughs> ghastly. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you just had to slog through it because I didn't have my equity card and, and a lot of league schools um, you know they they have an equity program within the department so the kids come out with their cards which is such a huge advantage I mean it took me three years of doing really terrible off of Broadway one after the other I was the king of off of Broadway as, as my friends termed me <laughs> and, uh, and 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 an incredible amount of luck was involved in getting that card. The day I got my equity card, was, I, I stopped uh, working in part-time jobs, and I, I started making a living in the industry. Nice. Uh, what, what what kind of part-time jobs were you doing? Telephone sales. Ah. I did a lot of telephone. I, I knew I didn't have the temperament to wait on tables. Uh, I had no other skills. Well, I take that back. Actually, before I moved to Manhattan, and uh, I was, you know, trying to save up some money because the rents and everything else was so expensive, and uh, I uh, started teaching tennis quite by mm. accident, and um, found I was I was a pretty good teacher, um, and started doing quite well and got sucked into that for two years until I, you know, woke up and went, wait a minute, I'm supposed to be acting. You know? <laughs> so I quit that, moved to Manhattan, and, uh, you know, started my uh, my journey. Nice. Uh, do you still play tennis from time to time, or is it uh, long gone? <laughs> it, it was gone. I suffered a, uh, an injury on stage in 2013 that Ooh. really... Oh, messed up my both my shoulder and my back particularly Ooh. my back and, but I coming up on a year since my uh, back surgery and um, after that I should be good to go and I'm never be playing you know three and four sets the way I used to but uh, as long as I can go out there and hit the ball and enjoy the day that's that's all I'm really hoping for Excellent. Well, yeah, hopefully you have a quick recovery. Yeah. Um, Thank you. Thank you. It's wonderful to be out of pain, I'll tell you that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, my, 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 my family had a lot of back surgery, so yeah, I understand oh, that completely. Yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, 
Yeah, well, we're we're I'm a I'm six foot eight, and I come from a long line of tall right. people. <laughs> so you know, once you hit a certain age, the back's usually the first thing to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, and it and it impinges on your life to such an extent. It's it's amazing. Yeah. But anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, all right. So, so you got your uh, equity card. Um, how did, did you go from there to uh, like, like, uh, like? I guess your first major movie, at least that I, I've known of, is a uh, Beast of War with uh, director Kevin Reynolds and Stephen Bauer yeah. and Jason Patrick. Right. Right. Well, I was. Um, I. I already had my SAG. I, I got my SAG card before my equity card, and that was fairly oh, easy. Okay. I got cast in the commercial and um, got my SAG card, and I was doing extra work, telephone sales, whatever, you know, while I was doing off off Broadway. Then I get my equity card. I started uh, working in the theater, and uh, I was doing a, a fair amount of regional theater. Now, uh, at that stage, uh, I was in, uh, in the Berkshires and Massachusetts and Cleveland and Boston and here and there and everywhere else. Um, and at the time, I was in Minneapolis doing a play, and my agent called and said, I'm sending over a script, and there is a part that's just tailor-made for you. <laughs> and uh, I was like, man, I'm in the middle of rehearsal, and, you know, the, it's really sort of have a very heavy track in this piece. It's a uh, major role. It's actually the, the lead, and I don't think I can take time out to do this. And he went, just read the script. Mm-hmm. And uh, now, mind you, at the time, I I hadn't even auditioned for a movie, let alone, you know, yeah. I could go on for it. And um, uh, I read the script, and, and he was absolutely right. It was, it was a wonderful part. I fell in love with the script itself, and I said, "Okay, you know what? I'll, I'll." And I worked it out with the director, and flew out on my day off, and showed up for the audition, and uh, landed the role. You know, now um, it was such a, 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 a remote possibility that when I walked in, I I wasn't nervous. You know, I. Uh, Read, I, I was a pretty confident stage actor, but I'd never done a film, per se, you know? Yeah. And for me to be that um, cocky, <laughs> <laughs> again, <laughs> the advantage of youth and arrogance, you know, <laughs> uh, because there's an awful lot to learn about, about film technique, um, you know, how to work the camera and all of that. And so, yeah, I, I was very fortunate to be cast in it. Excellent. And what was it like, like working on set, like working with a director like Kevin Reynolds, who's done some, you know, epic movies? I things. love the man. In fact, uh, I, I'm, I'm hoping to see him. I'm up in Portland, uh, Oregon, and he lives fairly close. And I'm trying to arrange a, a date to see him after, oh, gosh, nice. 40, 30 some odd years. Yeah, know? I guess it was about 30 years I ago. Loved him. Yeah. I loved him. He's just a great guy, um, smart witty, dry sense of humor, just, you know, I, I trusted his eye, and, and that uh, goes a long way, you know, I think his, his actor-director relationship, um, and of course, you know, um, 
we had the uh, the screenwriter there, uh, Master Simone, who was uh, on hand to talk about it. Uh, just a brilliant writer, um, and uh, so it it was. Uh, we were all young actors trying to make our mark, except for George Zunza, who uh, was the seasoned veteran, and to a certain extent, Nick Bauer. But uh, even George was now, it was his first foray into that leading man category. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, there, there was a lot of spirit among the cast, and, and we were just gung-ho. It was a war film, we were, uh, the five of us were in a, in a Russian tank. <laughs> we had 10 days of um, basic training with Captain Dale Dye, who trained the troops for platoon and countless other films. He's just a, he's a legend. And uh, it was just an exhilarating experience, one that I'll never forget, certainly. And unfortunately, the movie got caught up in all kinds of politics, but to this day, uh, I get people coming up to me and saying, you know, The Beast of War is one of my all-time favorite war films, or anti-war films, actually. Yeah. Um, and I tend to agree. I, I, I think it's a, it's a really powerful film uh, and didn't get anywhere near the credit it deserved. And uh, I've come to see having been in Hollywood for now, you know, all these years, that the quality of the film has very little to do with the success of the film. A lot of it has to do with luck. A lot of it has to do with who's pushing it and why they're pushing it. Uh, timing, um, you know, all those things uh, really do count. And uh, it was uh, David Putnam who had taken over the uh, Columbus at the time, Columbia Studios. Uh, he left Columbia. This, this was one of his flagship films. Uh, and he kept talking about how he wanted to make quality films. He said, rather than make five, like in, in those days, you know, a, a $5 million budget was outrageous, you know. He said, rather than make five, $5 million uh, movies, I'd rather make After that, you got uh, you got some uh, episodes in like some pretty large TV series like Star Trek: Next Generation, then like Murphy Brown, Fresh Prince of Bel Air, uh, Seinfeld, Cheers. Uh, how how was working on TV, especially like the the big TV shows like that? Uh, you know, my very 
first, I, I, actually, I'll tell you, I came to Los Angeles on a two-week vacation. Mm-hmm. And primarily because I, I used to uh, knock L.A. all the time. And uh, my best friend at the time, who, who lived in L.A., you can't afford to talk about L.A. if you've never been. So you come out there, <laughs> you, stay, you come out, you stay with me, and, and then you can, you know, bash it all you want. And so I came out for two weeks. I had a little break in my schedule. I was supposed to go back and do a play. I was on my way to play tennis, which was a huge draw in L.A. My goodness, you know, free <laughs> public courts, tons of good players that you could pick up a game with. And just, you know, it was paradise. And um, I got a call from my New York agents. Uh, they had they were by coastal agencies. So they said, look, we need to go over and, the LA office, they all want to meet you and all of that while you're there. So I, you know, went over, said hello, and went from one office to the next and saying, you know, my, my greetings. And uh, one of the agents uh, scribbled an address file on a piece of paper and said, yeah, go, go to this audition and see people today and hear the size and, you know, I was like, wait, I, I was supposed to play tennis. What, like, you can play tennis tomorrow, go, go for this audition. And it was for Law and Order. So that was a big show. Tonight, oh, yeah. you know? um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and I built it and um, worked on that. So the point I'm getting at was I started my television career with you know, the big one. Murphy Brown was my second show that I built here while I was still living in New York and trying to squeeze in a game of tennis here in L.A. <laughs> I did that. Um, and then... Uh, Went home, packed my bags, and moved out to L.A., figuring, you know, this was like taking candy from a baby. But, um, <laughs> and, you know, it, it was uh, all so new and so exciting, and uh, the weather was wonderful, and I could actually have a place big enough and uh, a yard so I could own a dog, and, which was something I'd grown up with and sorely missed. So, yes. you know, there were Yeah, right. I mean, in, in between sets, you can, you know, star in primetime episodes. I mean, what's not yeah. to love? <laughs> right, right, right. Yes. And, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it, it just seemed like uh, paradise until, you know, I, I started to really miss the theater. And uh, anyway, but it's all, it's all a journey and it's how you enjoy it that's important. What was your question? I don't know. That was like, like, so you enjoy like yeah, working on TV or movies? Or like, what's what's different, I guess, between uh, working on TVs and um, movies for you? Between TV and film, it, broadly speaking, uh, theater is an actor's medium, television is a writer's medium, and film is a director's medium. Um, oh, yeah. So obviously, the theater was where I felt the most empowered and also the most confident. You know, uh, because that was what I grew up with. It was my training and all that stuff. You know? And it was, I had practiced it enough, you know, where I I knew what worked. I had a pretty good sense of what didn't, you know, things like that. Um, no, by the time I got done with the three-month shoot and, and I started to get comfortable, but, again, it wasn't until I actually saw the film that I 
biggest difference between television and film, I felt, was television is so much quicker. You know, there's no time to find the role or find just that right take uh, to wallow in, like, hey, can I just do that one more time? And, you know, that, that kind of thing. Uh, it's wham, bam, and move on. Uh, especially when you're a guest star. You're, you're there to service the series regular cast. You're there to make sure you get all your words out. You make sure you're in your light. In other words, hit your marks. Don't bump into the furniture. And <laughs> do that every take so that the one take where the star of the show is happy with in terms of their performance not going to be able to use that take because of something that you did or didn't do if you if that makes any sense yeah, so yeah consistency you know that 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 was something that i knew instinctively that my job here is not to be wonderful it's to be consistent and solid and every take never have your name called twice on a set you know those those kinds of things never be late and that's money and and i think it was that intuitive sense of what my responsibilities were as as a guest star that kept me working i believe. I, I think i had a reputation built up a reputation of being yeah he's you know he's solid what you see is what you're going to get and guess going into like bigger budget movies and everything uh i know a lot of people know you were in uh encino man working with like brendan frazier oh. and sean astin how uh how was working on the encino man set no i'd rather not talk about that one. Oh, okay no problem at all <laughs> uh, how about uh stargate one of our favorite movies from uh 1994 mm-hmm. with the uh, director roland emmerich and uh, kurt russell james spader uh, how how was that set? That was an amazing shoot. It was uh, I I almost turned that down. Um, oh. The audition for it was basically look they're, they're looking for people to improvise, but actually it was a one line part in a foreign language. And I, I, I told my agent, I said, "Come on, man, it's one line." And I'm like. Just go, you know, this, she's, she's a, well, a wonderful cast director. She works a lot. With it. At least go and meet her, you know. We can cross that bridge when we, when and if we get to it. Just go. So I did. And I remember just, uh, I speak um, Nepali. I, I hesitated before I say that because people from Nepal would not agree with me on that front. <laughs> but I speak Pare Nepali as they call it. It's, it's sort of colloquial Nepali from Darjeeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of saying and things like that. But anyway, like, you know, no one knew the difference and I was supposed to be speaking ancient Egyptian so as long as I had that that language barrier thing going, I felt uh, perfectly entitled to use it. And, uh, and actually I had a one time, you know, auditioning for it because I was in a very playful mood and I just started playing with the reader who was finishing up his lunch and uh, you know that's how that whole candy bar thing evolved and uh, it just turned out to be a wonderful wonderful experience 
chance, and I have a very, you know, it was Stargate that really brought my name, or my face anyway, um, to the forefront, and, and uh, really did give me my first big break in film. Excellent. Is he, uh, um, shortly after that was like, uh, it, like Independence Day, and then The Mummy, and... Yes, uh, yes. Uh, now, there were gaps. Independence Day came shortly after Stargate, and, you know, the Roland Emmerich and Dean Devlin was so grateful, and they were very loyal to their cast as well, and their crew, mind you. Um, and uh, they, when, when it was time for Independence Day to shoot, they, they just offered me this role. It starts the movie. It's a very important role in that sense. I really want unfortunate but yeah yeah i mean yeah it's definitely starting off the movie it's like one of the yeah, i say one of the most indelible images to start off that first act and everything with you uh answering the phone and i have yeah i've had uh, i just just the other day i had someone i could see in my rearview mirror of uh, this, this car sort of weaving in and out of traffic finally pulled up to me and he was a passenger in this car he rolled down the window and i rolled on mine and looked over and he said uh, if this isn't the most beautiful woman in the world I'm hanging up <laughs> and I Perfect. just went what? <laughs> are you crazy? <laughs> and then I realized it's like oh my god it's, it's my life <laughs> so yeah you can all kind of crazy things and I, you know she actually had me worried I uh, because I thought the guy was trying to make a getaway or something. He was just weaving in and out. I must have passed him, you know, earlier. And he must have thought, hey, it's that guy. I mean, like, like one of our favorite movies is The Mummy. Um, how, well, I guess first off, how, uh, how how did you get involved with The Mummy with like uh, direct, you know Stephen Summers directing and? I was not supposed to play the role 
ended up playing was actually supposed to be played by Omar Sharif. Oh. I was supposed to play uh, another part that Jonathan Hyde ended up playing. Now, just to back up a little bit, um, I had auditioned for the 13th Warrior. It was was a good part. I auditioned for it, put myself on tape, etc. And uh, the casting people called my agents and said, John McTernan loves him. Uh, You know, we're, we're putting a pin in him. And even if it's not for this part, he's going to be in the movie. So I was, you know, jumping for joy, you know, delighted. And um, Friday, I get a call from Wardrobe saying, hey, uh, we need your sizes. And I said, well, I haven't been booked yet. This, oh, no, don't worry, you will, you will. But, but, but we need your sizes because, you know, he's got a lot of changes and we've got a lot of work to do. And, 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 Excellent. Uh, 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 I'm sorry, Mr. Avari. Uh, apparently, someone's sending their dog to bark out front here, and I think it might be picking up. Uh, just one oh. moment. Just checking to see what's going on out there. That's okay. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's not a problem. Yeah, you're telling an amazing story about Omar Sharif, and it was just like 
I'm afraid dog barking is going to be all over it. <laughs> Sorry. I, I, I shot a movie in, uh, in Jamaica, and the first day was terribly slow because we kept stopping for all the Afghan sounds and noises and things. And then finally they just, you know what, we're just going to go with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just saves the Foley guy a little extra work, isn't it? <laughs> there, there you go. Exactly. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Yeah. Sorry about that. Looks like it's all cleared up now. But yeah, that's great. So yeah, so Omar Sharif fortunately got hurt, but excellent. And then uh, when uh, Tim Burton did the the reboot of uh, Planet of the Apes, you were a part of that as uh, well. Uh, all right. That was that started out as one of the most exciting projects, and I was overjoyed. I uh, I just thought, okay, I have arrived because this is the one that's going to really established me as, you know, an A-list actor as opposed to a big, you know, action Hollywood blockbuster kind of actor, you know. Yeah. And um, the, the, the script and, and meeting with Tim Burton and for one, he looks like Bob Dylan, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. And then Chris Christopherson was in the movie too. I, it was just, I thought I died and gone to heaven. And the script and what um, uh, Tim was talking about and what, what, what he was hoping to achieve in, within the roles and, and the delineation between all the apes and the humans and, and that relationship, it just sounded like so much fun. Uh, you know, as a, as for an actor, there was so much that you could sink your teeth into. And uh, sadly, Along the way, um, it just lost its way. I think there were there were too many people trying to assert their ideas on the film, and uh, I, I remember Tim being you know a little frustrated about that. But my my thought was, why why do you hire someone like Tim Burton, and then? not allow him to make his movie. You know? yeah. The guy's a genius. <laughs> this is what he does, you know. Uh, that's, that's, that's one of the problems with studio movies. You know, there, there are so many people involved in so many different positions, and they all have justified their paychecks and uh, have an opinion. And sometimes I think those opinions tend to water it down or not make the intention as clear as for example, uh, Woody Allen, you know, who I also had a, a, an opportunity to work with, which was uh, yeah, just, you know, I, I couldn't have asked for more uh, to work with directors like that, you know, who have a clear vision, who know exactly what they want, and yet are confident enough to allow the actor to experiment and play and bring their own thing to it. Yeah, that, that, those, those are the those are the yeah you, you like the singular visions as opposed to i don't know i guess kind of a like with studio it's more of a like a group think like it's very right down the middle but it's like that that that's not the art you're trying to make right like that is that kind of the opinion you get exactly. I, I just, you know that was not what i thought Gladiator type movie with 
huge crowds and you know lots of fighting and whatever you I, I, I thought it was much more uh, character based because certainly the script read that way you know that the characters just jumped out at me and um, it sensed that that's what uh, Tim was up after when you know at least in the early stages when we were talking uh, about the, the role and everything else I thought that that was the way the film was going to go but what do I know <laughs> Oh yeah, but you say we like we we actually uh, rewatched it earlier this year. Um, we've actually all, all the Planet of the Apes movies, even the ones from the seventies and stuff. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah. There, there are definitely parts of uh, that one that, that you know, like the makeup's amazing. You know, some of the action oh, scenes are well done. Right. But yeah, there, there's definitely parts where yeah, it seems like oh that took a sharp right another direction than where I thought it was going to go. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it was, uh, you know, that was, uh, I, I think that was one, one of the biggest disappointments I had in the film world in terms of the movie not doing well, or you know, as well as I had hoped it would. But then there have been a lot of surprises, you know, a lot of movies that I thought would just come and go, and boom. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wouldn't say Stargate was one of those, but it certainly was uh, an upstart movie, you know. Uh, here were these two young guys, Dean Devlin, Roland Emmerich, making this, uh, what was then, a $55 million movie, which wasn't that big of a budget, but certainly not, you know, when you when you see the film, it looks like a much bigger budget than oh. $55 million. Yeah, I, I, I would have guessed like twice that, probably, like over a hundred yeah, million yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. that's very good. That, that was a, you know that was a very pleasant surprise, and then certainly Independence Day. My goodness, that's just boom! You know, went through the charts. Like shortly after uh, Planet of the Apes, you uh, were getting to comedies like uh, like Mr. Deeds. You were uh, Cecil, uh, I guess Adam Sandler's characters, uh, Butler and whatnot, mm-hmm. and also like Master of Disguise. Were you looking to get into more comedies, or is it just kind of what... I love comedy. I love comedy, and I, and I think, um, you know, I've done a lot of sitcoms, and then I stopped doing sitcoms because uh, they... It's, it's not as lucrative as doing um, episodics. Yeah. So, I, you know, I stopped doing that. And, and, and gradually, I, I don't really like the sitcom genre. I love comedy, but not not the sitcom. You know, the, the three camera part. You know, um, of sitcom side. The single camera is much better. It's a much better medium for me. Um, I like that. I don't like those uh, canned laughs. And you know, you're just playing for that laugh every you know, twenty seconds. You've got to deliver. And, not my idea of uh, fun, really, but I, I, I do like making people laugh. I do like finding the humor in things, you know. Um, I had a director who said, you know, when you're, doing tra- when you're doing tragedy, look for the comedy. When you're doing comedy, look for the tragedy. And it's very sound advice. So, yeah, I, I, um, I think, you know, having worked with Woody Allen uh, gave me some street cred, I guess, and uh, that opened up my, 
resume uh, at that time. So yeah, I, I loved working with Adam Sandler, and uh, Master of Disguise was the very next movie right after we wrapped, and our cinematographer on Mr. Deeds was going to be directing Master of Disguise, and mm -hmm. Adam said, look, I, it was the first day of his shoot, and he said, I want to have people that he's comfortable with, and you know, just to put him at ease so that his first day of shooting is going to be a breeze, you know. So, uh, so that was uh, uh, great to be included among the cast on that score. And then I, he offered me a fairly funny little part on anger management. And wouldn't you know it, I booked a pilot for a television show mm. at, at exactly the same I mean, there was a head-on conflict. And they couldn't move their schedule because it was a location shoot, and of course the series wasn't going to bend uh, for me. So I had to make a decision, and I went with wrong one. I should have stayed with Adam. Should have danced with the one who brought me, but, you know, you live and learn. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, sometimes when there's decision to make, uh, you can't win them all. I guess. Were there like any other like conflicts like that where you know, yes. had the choice between movies? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there was. I was booked on Heroes, and uh, the television series. And was yeah. um, it was before it had even started airing. I, I was shooting. I forget. Was it three or four episodes? I forget because they combined it. I was booked on uh, my Pickles movie, A-List film. I had a very small part in one scene, but, you know, just going out to Marrakesh to shoot it with Tom Hanks, and um, it was Joey Wilson's War. Okay. And I thought, here's, here's another opportunity to hit that A-List, and, and that's what I wanted. I still want, you know. <laughs> um, and uh, I, told the, uh, I told my agent, I said, um, I, I'm going to do this movie instead of the series and they were like are you crazy you know that's a small it's a, it's a tiny little it's a long scene part and here you know they're, they're offering you the possibility that you could even become a series regular on this thing and you know I was like man and uh, that, that I ended up getting cut out of Charlie Wilson's war oh. and <laughs> losing the uh, the momentum on the heroes a number of times but well, you just have to go with your gut you know and uh, and then not regret it you can't live nothing to you know yeah well it makes yeah. sense I mean like how how many times you know if you're gonna jump on a train it might as well be the Tom Hanks you know train you know <laughs> you know uh, and, and, it, and it was, I, I don't care that I got caught out of the movie I, I had a wonderful experience you know yeah. and I really enjoyed spending two evenings with him I guess also around that time, uh, you were in uh, Postal, uh, directed by Uwe Boll, who we've actually interviewed. Uh, you know, what 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 is it like working with Dr. Boll? J.K. Simmons for that one. 
that might be how a lot of the the casting kind of happens with uh, movies like that where it's you know the like the script may be questionable or whatever but it's like uh, i i don't know uh, tom hanks signed and on for that or you know, something like know, that <laughs> you don't know what's going to be cut and you don't know what's going to stay in uh, you know uh, you, you don't know how far they're going to take it in terms of performance so it's kind of you know there is you know and, and if you're an optimist like me you to give people the benefit of the doubt and say, well, maybe this could be halfway decent. And I don't know, but they did come up with the, with the money, so, you know. Mm. <laughs> yes. Well, and, 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 yeah, Hollywood is a tough place to navigate through, you know. The, the, yeah. the, the rocks and the waves are, are pretty treacherous. You never know what's going to take you down. Well, and, and of course, with you having worked in everything from, you know, on stage, to soap operas and sitcoms and movies and uh, even taking up the uh, director's chair with uh, Chasing Eagle Rock. Uh, yeah. Uh, how was that? Well, I guess first off, how, how was that uh, being a director for the first time? Um, I loved it. I loved it. And um, I just, I was a directing major in college, but, you know, I'm, I have directed on stage. I feel comfortable working with actors. Uh, but now, of course, the film is a whole different ball of wax, you know. But um, I've been on enough sets, and I've had enough downtime where I can really observe what's going on. And I, and I always made mental notes about what I would do if I ever got a chance to direct. And, and you know, you learn from people's and their examples, you know, um, equally, I think. So I did I did get to observe a lot and learn a lot, and uh, then actually put it into practice was uh, 
friends, you know, um, like me, you know, have worked consistently and they did me a favor. Uh, I was very comfortable, obviously, working with them, and it turns out they were very comfortable working with me. And, and a number of them came up to me after the shooting, especially after they saw it, and said, you know, that's the best performance I've, I've turned in. And I just took that as such a wonderful compliment, you know. Um, that's the director's job, is to allow the, the actor to feel comfortable enough, confident enough, relaxed enough to turn in their best work. So, yeah, it was a great experience, and, uh, and I, I, I'd like to do it again, but uh, you know, life is taking me in different directions now. Yeah, as I say, well, you've worked in all different kinds of medium. Uh, you've even done like voiceover work, like with the Destiny Two video game. Are, are there like any dream projects that you want to do, and like in in what role would you like to do them? Yes, and actually, I have just started pre-production uh, on a documentary that I'm going to be shooting, oh. and uh, it's on right uh, me. Working title thus far is The Quest for Kindness, Beauty, and, oh yes, King Lear. That's that's the working title, and it it will change. uh, I've been involved with a charity called Spend's Bells for a number of years. In the past, I'd send them a check or two and feel good about myself and uh, feel like, hey, I've done my part. You know, uh, I think kindness is a, is a really, it's a wonderful virtue, and, it, and it's a virtue that I feel like we are, certainly as Americans, we I don't think we appreciate it, and, and in fact, in some circles, it's looked down upon. It's looked as a sign of weakness, and, uh, you know, um, uh, certainly in the business world, you know, there's no room for kindness. You've got to be aggressive, and you've got to be this, man. You know? Anyway, so that has been really getting under my skin over the years and finally I, I decided I was going to do more than just uh, write a check. So I've been um, going out on the road. I now live in a motor home and I drive around the country and uh, I host uh, little, you know, get-togethers and we talk a little bit about kindness and I hand out uh, the Ben's Bells that promotes kindness. And now I'm making a documentary on it, and uh, I'm really excited about it. It's, uh, it's something that I've been trying to do for a while, but it was just, you know, logistically speaking, it was difficult, and um, I wasn't making any headway. And uh, last week, the doors opened up for me, and uh, boy, I'm running through. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, awesome. just you talking about it, I'm like, wow, that. I, I'm 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 in. Like, yeah. <laughs> let, please yeah, yeah. let us know when that starts. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I I sure will. Uh, I sure will. It, in fact, it's going to be, uh, believe, uh, a revolutionary concept in how I'm going to be shooting it, and uh, more to be revealed down the road. But uh, if you follow my Facebook page, uh, you you'll be able to stay in touch and keep up to date. Excellent. And is it just under Eric Avari, or is it like the official, it's, or I don't know? Eric Avari official. Okay. I see. It's Eric Avari official, and oh, if you just go to Eric Avari, you'll, hopefully you'll, you'll, you'll find. 
of that going. Uh, it's quite a process, quite a process. But yeah, uh, yeah. I am just really excited, and and um, you know, I feel like finally I'm going to have something perhaps be more of a uplifting influence to people uh, with this work. Um, maybe change a life or two. That would be awesome, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's it's actually something that, that I feel very strongly about, um, even in the industry uh, as an actor. And in fact, um, I, I know I'm rambling, but I remember the day I decided to become an actor uh, because uh, growing up, I thought, gosh, that's a frivolous thing, you know, uh, you kind of have more substance to your career than just being an actor. And I was sitting in my science class, and I mentioned Father McGuire, and here he pops up again, he was talking about something, I was daydreaming, and he started, he got my attention when he said, you know, artists, whether they're painters, uh, actors, musicians, whatever, they hold a mirror up to society. Traditionally, that's what they do. The court jester, that's what he did. He held a mirror up to King Lear, for example. You know. And the minute they stopped doing that, that's when so that society has crumbled. And he went on to cite examples, you know, about the Greeks, the Romans, and everything else. And I thought, wow. So there is some purpose to this profession. And I thought, I got that's what I'm going to do. That's <laughs> what nice. I did. Hoping to make a difference. Excellent. Yeah, say, and, and with our podcast being called uh, Everything I Learned from Movies, uh, are there any other lessons you'd like to share that uh, either you learned from working on movies or uh, I guess just in general, anything you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah, well, there's, there's something that asked me about uh, working with Marie Osmond. I, I did a um, King and I with her on Broadway. Oh. And they said, so what was it like working with Marie Osmond? And I said, let me tell you, that woman doesn't know how to lie off or on the stage. <laughs> and that is just a wonderful quality to work with. You know, honesty. And I think in, in film it's even more, it, it's a much bigger issue on film because every twitch of the eye or every movement is so there and present and, you know, on a 35-foot screen that you cannot get away with lying. You have to be honest in your dishonesty, you know, in playing another yeah. character. <laughs> but you have to find the truth and stay with that truth. And, and uh, I think that, that to me was the biggest lesson in the film, and I'm still learning it, you know. It's mm. how to be honest from moment to moment to moment. And that's, that's my lesson. Excellent. Well, Mr. Avari, thank Wonderful. you so much for uh, taking time out of your day to talk with us and you know share the wonderful stories. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, Steve. And uh, good luck with the podcast. I think you're doing great work. I, I've heard a couple of them and, and uh, oh, excellent. very entertaining. So keep it up. Excellent. Well, thank you. And uh, if I could ask what, just one more favor. Uh, yes. would, would you mind doing like a, a transition for us? Like, uh, yep, th this is Eric Avari, and you're listening to everything I learned from movies. This is Eric Avari, and you are listening to everything I learned from movies. Perfect. How's that? 
That, oh, that was thank perfect. You so much. Thank you so much. That was, that was my best voiceover voice. <laughs> Wonderful. I, I was confused. I thought Casey Kasem had come on for a second. No. <laughs> oh no, he's much smoother than Casey Kasem. Oh, that's true. It was like a velveteen. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you so much, you're, sir. Oh. You're welcome. You're welcome, Steve. Take care. Bye, Susie. Bye. Have a great evening, sir. Bye-bye. Oh my God. So what did you think, Susie? <laughs> Second celebrity to call me Susie! Yeah! I'm going to start a tally board. That's right. Now I'm excited. Oh my god, he's so fascinating. Right. Sorry, I was trying to let you... No, no, I was just enthralled by his voice. I was like, too, yeah. I don't want anybody to think that I was like tapping out or anything. I was just... Just keep talking. Just keep yeah, talking. Right? Wow. Yeah. Oh, such a fascinating guy. Fascinating. It, like, there was so much more I wanted to ask, but I'm like, oh, if we're going to get through this in an hour i mean we'll just have to have him back i i, I got Absolutely. more questions i'm not gonna lie but so steve ooh. what did you learn from this interview oh my god eric Avari's amazing i learned that uh, it's pronounced pronounced himalaya yeah right yeah Him- himalaya <laughs> the himalaya the himalayas yeah yeah it's himalayan salt oh my gosh those now when you're selling the uh the lamps we saw we have the salt lamps in store over at uh at day job and we have himalayan salt lamps oh i'm gonna sound so pretentious i love it but it's true <laughs> that's right mr avari says so so yeah i'm not gonna fight th- with it throw that in their face uh he's from there <laughs> i think he, he knows he is the expert thank you oh wow yeah that was amazing uh thank you mr avari Yes, um, thank you so much. And if you like that interview, we have lots of past interviews as well, like uh, apparently Mr. Avari listened to. Um, so yeah, feel free to check yeah. out our back episodes. And uh, wow, what else we got for him, babe? Well, if you use promo code UNTIDY over at frankieandmer.com, like frankincense and myrrh, but more fun, you can get 15% off uh, your whole order. Orders over $35 ship free. And uh, they have all kinds of fun stuff. They do aromatherapy made fun. You can get rid of your PMS or your loved one's PMS with some spray the bitch away. You can just chill out with some purple people pleaser. It's just, I almost said vanilla, huh? It's just lavender. Ah. Yeah, if you want vanilla, we got the Thrilla vanilla. That's fantastic. Uh, Also, if you head over to Etsy and you look up Untidy Venus, that's a goddess who's bad at housekeeping. You can find all kinds of my fun art, some of Steve's awesome enamel pin designs, and now featuring paracord, hand-knotted by the magnificent Steve. That's right, these hands right here. You can have something that we physically touched, we created. Our DNA is all over it. A piece of our babies. <laughs> Buy our babies Wait, over what? at untidyvenusstuck.etsy.com. <laughs> I was joking about the DNA. No. <laughs> Yeah, and of course, uh, please feel free to hit us up at EILF Movies. That's everything I learned from movies. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, let us know what you think about the interviews. We love feedback. And, you know, of course, our regular episodes as well. But, yeah, these interviews are just always so amazing and interesting. I Hey, I... if you have any association with movies or have some insight into movies, contact oh, yeah. us about being interviewed. We want to hear from you. We want to hear your stories. Absolutely. We're always looking to collaborate. <laughs> so until next time, I'm Steve. And I'm Izzy. And this is Everything, Everything I, I Learned from movies. movies. Have a good night, everybody. Night, everybody. Give me frogs, flies, locusts, anything but you. For over 3,000 years, we have guarded the city of the dead. 
sworn at manhood to do any and all in our power to stop the high priest Imhotep from being reborn into this world. And now, because of you, we have failed. And you think that this justifies the killing of innocent people? To stop this creature? Let me think. Yes! yes. Oh, I got a new friend here. Well, you want a dog? I prefer cash. Be a great guard dog for you, wouldn't it? Guard dog to guard the hard dogs? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so either. Seriously, uh, man. Why you want a dog, huh? Every day you have to walk him, feed him, clean him, pick up the poop. How many of these can I have for you? On the house. This is Major Tom to ground control. I'm stepping through the door And I'm floating in a most peculiar way And the stars look very different today Oh, here am I sitting in a tin can That's right, Anderson. Far above the world Planet Earth is blue, and there's nothing I can do. Oh, dang, it's going to dang the panda. Enough!